You're listening to Stidia Cast, where we come together to discuss, gush, and occasionally cry about our love for Style Stalinsky and Lydia Martin. We hope to introduce the fandom to new material, support talented authors, and spend a little extra time with our OTP. This is Stidia Cast, because canon just isn't enough. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of season two of CityaCast. This is our last episode of the season, and it's really fitting because we are reading out the third part in the Out of the Ash series by Madgrad 2011, which the first two parts were the first podcast we ever recorded for CityaCast. It was me, Rachel, and Corey, and who else? Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, yeah. And so um, tonight I am here with... I'm Anya, and I'm Styles to like Lydia on Tumblr. I'm Corey, and I'm Saving Skiles on Tumblr. And I'm Rachel, and I'm It's Always Lydia on Tumblr. So I know that we have a lot to say about this fic, and instead of asking you guys a guiding question to begin this podcast, I'm going to dive in and talk about what I want to talk about, just to like push <laughs> it out of the way. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I really want to talk about the scene where she talks about how Jackson always, like Peter always turns into Jackson, like in her fears, Ooh. because I know that that's not the first scene of this fic, but I just wanted to make sure we spoke of it. I thought it was absolutely incredible and just beautifully written. I'm the spark that lit your fire, Jackson had snarled into her ear before caressing her face with blood-soaked hands, unhinging his mouth and consuming her whole. And I love that line because it made me think about just, like, season one Lydia, of course, and the way, like, Jackson did sort of consume her like a fire, and he dictated a lot of her personality, like, who she was really did surround Jackson um, as a person. And I felt like that line epitomized that because, yes, Peter said that to her, and he said it about kickstarting her banshee powers, but I think it's really important to note that there is that same level of possessiveness to Jackson, and beyond that, there's this level of he changed her just as much as Peter did. Like, I know that Lydia made her own choices, but to say that Jackson isn't a factor in those and that, like, conforming herself to his personality wasn't a part of that, I think we would be, like, remiss to kind of excuse him in that process of Lydia changing. My note on that was before Valak, these are the last two men to try and use and destroy Lydia Martin. Yep. So, since both of them wanted to break break her down when they, like, Peter for his own use, and then Jackson when he saw her as no further use to him. And actually, in this fic, um, Rachel Madgrad writes that as soon as Jackson is saved by Lydia's love for him, he literally just walks away from her completely cold and, like, whatever, goodbye. So, Corey, what was the first part of this fic that, like, fucked you up? (laughs) The first part? Because there's a lot of parts that fucked me up. I'm going to ask for the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're already in the same section. (laughs) It's just a little bit further up. (laughs) Even before this part, we're already fucked up. No, it's it's literally, like, in this section, just a couple, like, a paragraph above. (laughs) Um, She, basically, it's one of the parts that fucks me up, and it's one of my favorite parts, too, is, um, it's a long part, but it's, like, she's visualizing what, or who makes her feel powerful. Um, (gasps) Dean's telling her to do this, so she's, like, black boots, 
red lipstick, baseball bat, and then styles. And then somehow that vision gets turned into um, Grave, and then that turns into Allison. And I'm like, ah! I <laughs> and Max Red always kills it that way. Section. Hmm? <laughs> I wrote, like, a mini dissertation specifically about the choice of baseball bat. Um, Go in, well, like, because it also well, like, it, season four episode twelve. It, it like it's both Styles yeah. and Lydia defending herself. So like it was basically in the scene she's been left behind by her friends. Um, she presumes she she's got to assume that they've left. She has no way of getting to Mexico. But one of the most like terrifying creatures that they've encountered yet is there and is threatening her. And Mason, who is Scott's beta's best friend, and. I just, like, she's been thrust in the supernatural world, kind of just like Mason, which is why I think she was so willing to, like, jump up and defend him and herself. And she's like, but I'm not going to give up, even though I don't have anything. I'm going to use a baseball bat, even though I made fun of it. (laughs) And Mason even trusts her. And he picked it up, too, which is, I think, another reason why the baseball bat kind of got, like, a boost of power, because both of these people who had no connection to each other, really, before this scene other than, like, the friends of friends thing, picked up the bat and defended them and defended themselves. And the only reason they did that is because Lydia saw Styles do it. So, and, and Lydia doesn't even know how powerful she actually is at this point. But one of the things that makes her feel powerful is when she felt weakest. So I just really loved the baseball bat itself, like, the fact that she began associating with power because of Styles. But I think that picking up that baseball bat meant so more, so, so more, meant so much to Lydia as a character who is used to feeling helpless. Yeah, and I think that that really fits in with um, Galvanize when Styles goes in and she's like, well, why can't I go in? He says, I only have one bat. And then, of course, like, then there's 412 when she goes into fighting. And, yes, with a baseball bat. And Mason's like, are you crazy? And she's like, well, Styles does it all the time. And so, <laughs> like, I think that um, Rachel, like, author Rachel, Madgrad2011, did a really good job of choosing that as a symbol of Lydia starting to take um, kind of, like, a more active role in fighting. Like, she's always been a vital part of the pack, but now she's it's kind of a theme of this part of Out of the Ash is that she wants people to not keep protecting her and she wants to take a more active role in protecting as well. And so that was a really good choice. Uh, That was a really good choice for a symbol of that. Yeah, this part is like really kind of like, excuse me, um, where she doesn't want to be the protected. She wants to also fight with them and protect them. So... I love that theme in this fic, even though it's kind of it basically a mirror of what ha- what's happening in the show. It's also just such a good image of black boots, red lipstick, and baseball bat. <laughs> Perfect combination right there. Yep. Going along with what Rachel kind of brushed upon when she was speaking, I really want to bring up the scene where Lydia is talking to Brayden and saying goodbye to Brayden. I love the fact that Brayden is basically like, you know that they need you, right? And Lydia kind of goes like, yeah, of course, but she doesn't believe her, really, because 
I mean, as Corey said, it's a mirror of what's happening in the show right now. And Lydia is not able to view her self-worth in a manner that I would say we view her in or Scott views her in and the rest of the pack. Um, But despite that, and despite what's going on in the show, this part of the Out of the Ash series felt far less like a Stydia fic and more like a Lydia Martin friendship fic. I felt like it was all about her friendships with the pack members and with her mother and with Derek and with Brayden. Just everything. More so than the other parts, it didn't necessarily feel as much like a love story. It really did feel like a love letter um, of seeing Lydia and the different person that she's able to be with all of these different people. I loved that we got this hodgepodge scrapbook collection of Lydia Martin's personality. I think we saw so many different aspects of her, all of which are so true to her and so intrinsic, but that we don't always get to see in canon. It felt like a it felt like a collection of her throughout yeah. the series, which I absolutely loved. I think Rachel just did an incredible job with it. Yeah, I was I love that Rachel chose this format too, because she used the format of Valak saying, like, remember, remember. And I just felt like First of all, perfect because of what season six is going to be all about. (laughs) Second of all, perfect because it allowed her to use all these different vignettes that, like Rachel was saying, showcased all these different parts of her personality. And you know me, I'm always down to talk about friendships. So, like, (laughs) the first half of this fic, I was just, like, drowning in feelings about the pack and, like... Um, Lydia, when she's talking to Kira in that one scene, and she's like, I'll let you in on a secret. Boys are idiots. (laughs) I I just love Lydia being, like, supportive friend to Kira, who's, like, innocent and pure and doesn't know how to feel about boys. And, like, does Scott love me? And Lydia's like, yes, Kira, Scott loves you. You're a perfect sunshine angel. Of course he loves you. (laughs) There's just so much to love about everything and all the ways that she describes the friendships in that first, like, long section. I kind of love that uh, Magrad um, made it so that it was basically Lydia put, like, just giving Lily a little push to cut her hair. I love, love, love that. Like, she um, she takes, like, little parts of what happened in Canada and, like, fleshes them out into these big... Well, not big, but they're just more fleshed out and, like, little stories about what happened behind that we don't get to see in the storyline in canon, and it's just, like... <laughs> That's how I feel about um, all of the Out of the Ash series, honestly. That part yeah. um, is something that I have always wanted. One of the lines that she had in that part is something that I've always wanted to write, and I was so gratified to read it when she says, when Lydia says, could I have made him happy? I mean, like, the fact that she's going through her the her entire junior and I meager portion of senior year um in love with this boy who's with somebody else and having to watch styles be like physically and emotionally intimate with malia and having to deal with the fact that she's falling harder for him and he's backing away from her um i mean of course the thing that i miss the most about city is their friendship but there's the fact of the matter that lydia's a girl with a crush and she's watching her crush interact with his girlfriend and like as deep as Stydia is and as much, like, depth as they have, that one line, I think, perfectly showcases the fact that she's 
she's a girl and he's a guy and she just has a thing for him and it's sad and it hurts and I just love it I love the idea that she wonders if she could make him happy even while she's happy that she's watching him be happy with somebody else yeah I also think it was really interesting like that one of the people who we talked about in this section was Parrish because I feel like Stidia fic is like the one place where it's like if you mention Parrish just like get out but like (laughs) Like, you just, it's like, this is supposed to be our safe zone. Like, Parrish is not supposed to be a part of that. But the way that Rachel did it in this fic was so tasteful, I feel like, because it would be kind of, you know, a fix-it fic to just pretend that Parrish didn't happen and doesn't exist. But she does show, like, that Parrish is a way that Lydia feels safe because it's he's somebody who doesn't really know her as well. So she can put on her masks and just like put on a flirt, like a flirty facade or like an intelligent, like showcase her intelligence without being worried about how he might perceive it because he doesn't know her. He won't see through it. And I think also I was really satisfied when he was like, remember Parrish. And I was like, Oh no. And then the first person that she talks to in the scene is Sheriff Stilinski. I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm going to lay it on the table. The Parrish scene was perhaps one of my top five scenes. I absolutely yeah, I, loved... Yeah, I about the Parrish scene mentioned you in Why? my notes. Why? Because I was like, this scene is like the abridged version of that ask that you got a really long time ago about if Lydia were to date Parrish, why it wouldn't mean anything. And you basically said what, like... Rachel wrote, uh, Madgrad wrote, what, which was Parrish is safe. She's what, he's what she is used to, and she's comfortable with lustful attention and then not giving in to it. So my favorite thing about this part, although, I mean, like, yeah, that's my personal headcanon, and so I, like, loved seeing that in there because I was like, someone agrees with the same way that I think. Yeah, it's just, like, really <laughs> exciting. Um, I just, like, love that. It's, it's awesome. Um But my favorite part of that section was actually the part where Lydia is talking about how with Parrish, she's slowly rebuilding her walls. And I love that because I feel like it's she like knocked them all down for styles at the end of 3B. Like she got to this point where like she actually fell for this guy and her walls just came tumbling down and she got burned. The exact thing that she had walls up for in the first place, like it burned her. And so I liked the fact that Rachel had that sentence about Lydia putting pieces of her walls back um, and that she was... I liked the fact that she didn't say that Lydia was rebuilding the walls all the way up because I think that Lydia is never going to build them all the way back up again. She's no. never going to be that girl again. Right. And, if she, and I'm sure that some of her walls now are a little bit different than the other ones, but there are pieces of who she used to be that she has to, like, carefully put back into place because she got hurt and she has to protect herself from that. It's just, like, she needs to keep herself safe. So I loved that one sentence because I never thought about it that way, and it was a really beautiful perspective to look at it from. Yeah, I think that Lydia, like, broke down so far, like, what you were saying for Styles that, like, it's more true to her like she can't be that open all the time and so she needed somewhere to be where people weren't expecting her to be that open anymore so that she could get back to some of the like some of the coldness I guess it's not really the right word but like some of the distance that she used to have 
like it's important for her to have that to protect herself. <gasps> you know who else was mentioned in this a lot? Scott McCall. Okay. Here we go, go, yo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so the fun, fact, fun fact. Um, Rachel messaged me in our Twitter DM saying that this Rachel Ron Gasm that I was going to love the skittiest scene and that she thought it was super cute and super romantic and she's never loved skittia in a romantic way more than in that moment even though it's never romantic i don't like. ever perceive skit let's let's be really clear here for me skittia oh. is like marshall and robin there's like nothing there I but know, I'm just <laughs> saying, like you were th- this this fic almost turned you no it didn't That's- turn me i just saw it <laughs> <laughs> she can see it. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're going to really like this one part. Like, I'm really, really pleased with how she wrote this. And so I was super excited. And I'm reading. And I get to the, to this, the first scene. And I'm like, oh, Rachel was right. That's so cute. And then you're reading and reading and reading. And then there's like four more Scott and Lydia exclusive scenes. And they're so fucking good, you guys. They're so good. I love every single one of them. For me, they're the flagpoles of the ship, uh, the fic. Hello. Um, they're... <laughs> they're I hope Scott and Lydia are the flagpoles of their own uh, crack ship. <laughs> no, I... Oh, yeah, you. I said the wrong word. I was like, Rachel, don't be a buffoon. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, um, for me, the, the skittia scenes are the flagpoles of this fic in that I feel like they just, like, mark... They're they're the consistent thread, I think. Lydia's characterization, obviously, is the most consistent thread because it's a Lydia character study. But there's frequent Scott scenes, and I feel like he marks different turning points. Um, And I really liked the fact that he was trailed so much throughout this. One of my favorite Scott moments was when, at the end, when they're holding hands... um, Scott, like, looks at Lydia and looks at Styles and gets something. Like, something registers in his eyes, and he doesn't say what it is, but Lydia notices. And Lydia doesn't say what it is either, but the readers know. And Lydia mm-hmm. doesn't have to know, because we know. And isn't that just the tragedy of Cydia? Always. <laughs> um, I wrote a long section in my notes about how I love what Rachel did with, um... Scott and Lydia's journey and how they both talk about it briefly in one scene um, because Lydia mentions Peter and how she hates him and uh, Scott says that we are more than what he did to us I have to remind myself of that every day but it's true we are not who we are because of him we are who we are in spite of him and that just really hit home to me because Lydia is a banshee who predicts death but there's nothing in the banshee lore about a banshee who saves people and scott is a werewolf and at the beginning of the show like the initiation for the beta into the pack of an alpha is traditionally is traditionally to kill with him on the first full moon and instead scott became an alpha all on his own personal merit so this scene like really destroyed me because i was like oh you are who you are in spite of him because he tried to turn both of you into something you're not. But instead, you guys have become something else. And just, like, it goes back to the, the one of everyone's favorite Lydia quotes, not all monsters do monstrous, monstrous things like Scott. It kind of rose into the ashes, as mm-hmm. it were. My babies. I'm crying. Anya, you brought up <laughs> Anya, you brought up Skidia. What was your favorite Skidia scene? Um, 
Well, that one, but, <laughs> but that's okay because Rachel articulated that a thousand times better than I could. But, um, just like even when I also love that even when Scott isn't in the scene, he's still like a driving force between so much of the pack's bonding. Like after, um, Lydia gets hurt by Tracy and she's in the hospital and Liam comes in to give her things and she, he's like, oh, well, nobody, like, my, your mom wouldn't let anyone in to see you, and, like, Mrs. McCall was off duty, and she's like, so Scott sent you to check on me? And he's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and also, just, that wasn't Parrish when she woke up, and I was so excited. <laughs> true. I loved that scene with Liam. Oh, my I God. I, I listen, listen, I have, like, no feelings about Liam whatsoever, <laughs> like, positive or negative, but, like, that scene made me like Liam and I was like I didn't think this was possible I have positive emotion towards this towards this white boy (laughs) and like it's so adorable that this little freshman has come in I see a sophomore at this point maybe yeah he he came in and he like brought her the stuff from all the pack and he was like these are all the things your friends thought you would like Scott gave you homework here's his AP bio book Malia and Kira gave you the princess bride and the notebook and Styles gave you Reese's pieces and it's so cute I was like I love that Scott wanted to put this together and that everybody contributed and then Liam is bringing you this care package. It was this beautiful pack moment and I was like why don't we see this in canon ever? I was so appreciative. Also the fact that out of all the things that she could have chosen to pick up at the end, she chose the Reese's Pieces. I was like, nice. Nice. (laughs) That's what I would go for. Chocolate hell's yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) But also Stidia, whatever. True, it's the chocolate. Chocolate and Stidia, <laughs> my two addictions. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't have better ones. True. true. Okay, so before we finish, I just want to mention how I, and we did talk about this before, I kind of like how Styles isn't in this fic as much. He had, like, three-ish big scenes, which is when he's, he and Lydia are kind of, like, joking around before they both say goodbye to Derek. The Eichenhouse scenes, which are, of course, huge. Um, the needle scene, and then, like, kind of the Mick Martinsky scene at the end because this fic instead was the love letter to Lydia's character even taking it to the next level after parts one and two because there she describes herself as a broken doll, a person filled with straw and now her inner monologue is all about how she feels powerful, how she is enough how it's her turn to stand in front of her friends and protect them and that like actualization of her power and her strength like this full metamorphosis is almost complete basically, before we get to, like, the end where it reverts to the season six plot to be. And I just loved that. Speaking of season six plot, there was a lot of foreshadowing in this, and I loved it. Yeah. I also loved that, um, like Rachel was saying, like, we didn't really see Styles that much, but we didn't have to because, like, this is about Lydia Martin, and it's nice because loving Styles Stalinsky at this point of canon is just a fact of her life. Like, it's just something that is about her. And so it doesn't need to be in your face every five lines, by the way, I'm in love with Styles Stalinsky, because she knows that. And so it just kind of colors every interaction she has with him. And I really loved the part, even though it broke my heart, I love the part where she lists all the things she misses about him, because everything she misses is a different facet of Styles. 
And I loved the part where it says she remembers curling up on his couch to watch reruns of Chopped, her knees tucked into her chest to make room for him as they critiqued the contestants and judges. I can make that, he had boasted, his hand resting unconsciously on her ankle. He had once revealed to her his irrational feet of fear of feet. So when he allows her bare toes to touch him, she knows he trusts her. That was so cute and just like casual friendship adorableness. Also, Styles having an irrational fear of feet <laughs> cracks me up because that's such a weird random thing to have a fear of when there are so many real things to be afraid of in your life, but it's also such a Styles thing to do. And just like her knowing that he trusts her and just everything about the, that interaction was beautiful. And then the fact that he like gives her candy flavored coffee and then gives her a candy-flavored coffee again at the end, like a symbol of their friendship getting repaired. Just every little snapshot in that one section was really cute and beautiful. Yeah, I love the picture that this fic painted of Studia. It, their friendship is just like, oh, it's iconic. I love them. <laughs> one thing I want to touch on before we leave, and back to what um, what Madgrad was doing in parts one and two, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm apparently loopy today but um i think like when she's describing herself uh in parts one and two mostly one she doesn't um i think she says something about like cracks and things and about her scars as well and this comes back to it here um near the end uh she's it's she's by herself she's looking at her reflection uh, and then she touches where Black had um, drilled into her skull. And she gently touches the bandage and she winches. She winces. She's like, soon she thinks it will just be another scar. And so it's it's kind of like a double edge because it's like, okay, she's got all of these scars. Are they, is she wearing them differently now? Which I think she kind of is because she's turning them into things to be like, hey, I'm going to, they're just, Another thing that's happened to me, I'm not going to let it um, base my. I'm not going to base my life on it. I'm going to protect. I'm going to. They're battle scars. Mm-hmm. They're different than something that's going to let it get her down. I'm not wording this right at all. But oh yeah, it was like a really. It was a really good connection to parts one and two of the series when we're talking about like blood and scars. And I do, it's like a nice reminder. I kind of forgot reading this, that it's like part three of the series because it does stand really well on its own. Mm-hmm. But like that one scene where she's looking at the hole, I'm like reminding herself, it's okay. It's just another scar. You can get through this too. I thought it was a really good way of bringing full circle her feelings about scars from part one. Mm-hmm. And Scott, like when they're holding hands, he touches their held hands to just above the scar on mm-hmm. her waist to kind of like reassure her like this is something that's a part of you but it isn't you this is something that happened to you because wounds heal so I think that's what Corey was trying to get at Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a scar is just a scar it just means that something happened to you but it healed and you're still here Rachel did you want to talk about Allison real quick I think that the mentions of Allison in this fic were personally meant to victimize one red string banshee, a.k.a. Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just loved how, and we mentioned this with Scott, like his influence is woven through this fic, but Allison's presence and memory is woven through this fic as well. And it's a really beautiful way for Lydia to remember her as a place in her heart, but she's not, but Allison's place in her heart isn't like, 
blocking anything else from coming in. Okay, so when um, Lydia is looking at her bulletin board, which has postcards uh, from Kira in New York and from Allison in France, I feel like she says she looks at it and her heart doesn't feel quite so broken or empty, something along those lines. And I think that's because the bulletin board is literally what Lydia's heart is doing right now. Like, Allison is in it, but Kira is in it too. And if she had other mementos from Styles and Scott and Malia, like, they would go on the board as well. Allison isn't crowding out the other people. Lydia's heart is now just adapting to hold all these memories and all these friendships. So Yeah, I love I that too, that. because, yeah... I think that that's so true that like Allison is a part of her, but she's not the only part of her that has capacity for love. And I love that too. Cause I talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, how I loved the Kira and Lydia scene. And I love that Kira wrote her little postcards with like fun facts. I learned in New York. because <laughs> She's like, Oh, Lydia will love this. It's information. And like true Lydia probably did love them. And so it, it is really cute to see that she can have these new girl friendships and not be comparing them to Allison, but just have them along with Allison. My, the final thing that I want to talk about is the graveyard scene, now that we're talking about Allison. Um, I was going to say, speaking of Allison and tragedy. That scene <laughs> as a whole was absolutely beautiful, but I wanted to talk about this one specific detail that I'm obsessed with. Um, so basically... Styles moves to pull his hand out of hers and she tightens her grip. That for me is like, I know it's one line, but it is such a good metaphor for what happened to them. Like, Styles sees Scott's loss and he sees the way Scott lost the love of his life. And Lydia has always been that for Styles. Like, she has always been the love of his life. So when he sees Allison die, he pulls back. Like, not only from Lydia, not only for Lydia, rather, but for himself because. He just, he needs to, like, it hurts. And, um, and the idea, I think, of for Styles of having a love like this and losing it makes him uncomfortable. It makes him want to disassociate, um, because he can't go through what his dad went through, you know? Like, he knows what it looks like to lose the person that you were supposed to send your life with, your soulmate, um, and so he lets go. But last time, Lydia, like, she didn't tighten her grip fast enough, and his hand slipped out of hers before he realized that she had begun to, like, tighten her fingers around his. So she'd been, like, left clenching her fist, so to speak, and she was, like, clutching her hand around nothing, a.k.a. she just, you know, fell further and harder, and um, Styles pulling back. And I love the fact that here, like, she makes it in time. And in canon context, this is on the eve of them getting together. So she clings on to Styles and lets him know that he's wanted and he's wanted by her and that she cares about him and that she's still here. And it feels like the ultimate turning point for Styles and Lydia because this time, she, there was a time when he was holding her hand and she was pulling away. And then there's a time when he's holding her hand and he's pulling away. And now both of them are just holding on to each other and he's asking her if she's okay. It's a more physical manifestation of when, um, in the Eichenhaus scene, where she looks up at him to say, Styles, save me, and Rachel wrote, um, this time, like, she lets him in. Mm-hmm. So she, like, gives him this, this hint, this clue, and this is, like, the confirmation of, don't think that what I want is for you to pull away. I want you here with me about this. But, I mean, how can you go How can you go wrong with ending the main plot of this fic with a McMartinsky game scene, right? <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> okay, so we have, in fact, hit the end of this fic. So before we go, I want to give you all updates on what's going on regarding um, Cydia Cast. So tune in on 11... 
11, November 11th, for a special bonus episode of this season. Um, we will be live talking about... Rachel's hosting, by the way. Uh, we're going to be going over, basically, all of our predictions for the season and the promo for the season and just talking about... it's. It's a couple days before the season premiere, so we're just going to be talking about um, the info that we've gotten, what we know, what we think is going to happen. Um, it's basically just going to be a review session, a cram session, before the season begins, and we'll get in some final predictions and then see how right we are later on in Studio Cast Season 3. Learn how I unlocked that trailer. Wow. <laughs> if you're still confused. <laughs> self-brag, self-brag. Um, Listen. I'm never going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so that is on November 11th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, okay, the next... Oh, and what we're going to do... Um, are we going to do, like, questions like we did for the Hellercon? Yeah, we'll be doing questions so you can send them in. Um, feel free to ask us anything you want about 6A. Not that we know the answers any better than you do, but we can theorize. Um, <laughs> all right, so... They will be screened, so... Uh... <laughs> the next thing we have to say is that season three is having a format change. Season three of City of Cast will not be about fanfics. It's going to be centric to the episodes of Teen Wolf. So basically, we'll be going over um, what happens. The episodes will go up on Sunday at midnight so that you can recall what happened last week before you um, watch the episode on Tuesday night. And it should be a really good time, and I'm really looking forward to discussing the episodes with all of you. We'll also be doing live tweets from the Cydia Cast Twitter, so make sure to follow us on Twitter at Cydia underscore cast. Um, we have, like, a bunch of cool stuff coming for the season, so I'm excited about season three of Cydia Cast. Yeah. Also, Cydia Cast is partnering with Cydia Month to do um, a Big Bang. Um, and for those of you who don't know, a big bang is when writers, translators, beta readers, um, fan artists, and reviewers all come together um, and try to create like a big push of content. So we'll be beginning that um, basically early November. Um, and you can sign up to be, as I said before, a writer, a beta reader, um, an artist. So gift sets or art, it doesn't matter either way. Um, or a reviewer, and I think I missed one. Oh, a translator. Um, so if one of those is something that would be interesting to you, please join us. We'll have more information about that coming very, very soon. I'm personally really excited. I've done a couple big bangs, and it's so much fun, and I'm excited to run one and hopefully write a fic for it, maybe? Um, and then the last thing is that I want to thank... Lauren, Zoe, and Rosemary for all the incredible work that they put in this season. They are all superstars, and we could not have run the season of City of Cast. I was going to say Teen Wolf, and then I was like... season of Teen Wolf. I don't write Teen Wolf. Thank God. Jeff Davis, we are your new overlord. I am Jeff Davis. Pulls off mask. We couldn't have done this season without them. The, Lauren, your playlists and aesthetics were incredible. Rosemary, your editing was on fucking point. Zoe, your videos brought me to tears basically every single time. I was just so moved by them. So thank you for all the work you put in, and I can't wait to have another season with you guys and all of my awesome City of Cast friends. Um, we have some cool surprises up our sleeves for season three, so I'm looking forward to continuing this podcast um, 
Also, don't forget to check out our merch if you want a City of Kaz notebook or mug or t-shirt right in time for, um, what season is this? 6A! (laughs) And, um... (laughs) God, I cannot believe how many seasons of Team Wolf there are. What the crap? Um, I don't know. And, um... I feel like there was a void at one year, though. There was just a void of no... Well, there was no season no four. There's just nothing going on for, like, a season length, and then a hiatus, and then we came back, and it was senior year. Like, what was that about, man? <laughs> so, along yeah. with, um, along with our usual, um, prom, our usual, um, what's it called? Icon t-shirts and... What is it called? What's the thing called? Logo! Logo! Along with the logo notebooks and mugs and whatnot, we also have some new stuff coming in with fic titles on them, and um, we have some t-shirts with lines from fics or things that frequently come up in the podcasts that you might, you know, feel like wearing. So if you would like a t-shirt that says, I have a domesticity kink, check out our merch store if you'd like <laughs> a t-shirt. that may just be Rachel, but you know what? <laughs> if you'd she like a mug that it. says Lydia Martin is a universe, I say check out our merch store. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. That's all for me. So I am Rachel. I'm Ron Gasm on Tumblr. I'm Anya, and I'm Styles to Life Lydia on Tumblr. I'm Corey, and I'm Saving Skiles on Tumblr. I'm Rachel, and I'm It's Always Lydia on Tumblr. And to you, our listeners, thank you for joining us for this season of Cast. Bye. Bye. Here at Cast, we review and discuss our favorite Cydia fanfics. If you enjoyed today's fic, go tell the author the things you love best about it. You can find us at StidiaCast on Tumblr and on Twitter at Stidia underscore cast. A special thanks to our sound editor, Rosemary, row your boat on Tumblr, and to our incredible anonymous donor for making season two of StidiaCast possible. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>